We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal, episode 195. Boy, we sure are getting close to episode 200. That one's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. So what I would like to do is ask you to please share this with someone and let's uh, let's celebrate getting to 200 episodes. Can you believe that? That's almost four years that I've been doing this podcast and I have learned so much. I like to say that I have learned in dog years and that's certainly what it feels like. Anyway, to our episode today, I'm continuing my conversation with Rick Jetter and Rebecca Coda. If you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode 194, where we talk about how to identify what it feels like when someone's out to sabotage you. This week, we're going to talk about what you can do, and it includes getting their book and giving it to the person who's trying to sabotage you. That's one suggestion. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But I also talk about the communication cards that I use at my school that are very effective, and you can get some of those also by clicking the link in the show notes today. So what I'd like to do is start getting into some tactics that we can use to overcome these situations. And I do want to talk about uh, specifically how to confront it, but that's a really hard thing for people to do. So let's start talking about that. And e- either one of you can go first and, and talk about how to, how to deal with it so that you can prevail through it rather than uh, just be bummed and depressed all the time. Sure. I think one of the most important things that we really address that stem from those emotional driving uh, forces is that 
we have to depersonalize the situation because we have these people that are, you know, giving us these high expectations or micromanaging us or trying to control us in some way. But there's some reason that they have ego. There's some reason that they have jealousy. There's some reason that they have fear. And so to deconstruct that and, and go back to its, you know, its earliest origin, there's a reason why they're that way. Either they had a, a tough childhood or they're getting pushed on from uh, top down, but they're acting the way that they're acting for a reason and that that reason didn't really start personal with you. It was their own personal emotional battles that because they weren't addressed um, head on and confronted, that they became something bigger until it then became personal. So typically those high stress, high emotional, high anxiety, fear times where we absolutely dread going to work did not stem from anything personal. So anytime that we can depersonalize the situation, as hard as it is, and it's the hardest thing to do when it feels personal, but if you can, even for moments and step away from it, that that's just the beginning of prevailing. That's our kind of our first step. Hey, Jethro, if I could tack on to that. Please. Your question is kind of a really cool roadmap for our book because, you know, let me lay this on you real quick. So once we get through the adversity part of it, we start to talk about, all right, let's break down how we align with one another, right? How are those alignments between positive and negative people um, detrimental or healthy to our career? And then we go into like, we go into this chapter that's just devoted to working too much. And then we go, we go into a chapter about how people start becoming dependent on alcohol and pills. Like this is, this is stuff that no one writes about. It's taboo. It's like who in their right mind would write about alcohol and depressants and Xanax and all that? Like who would write about that? Well, we do. You know why? Because people are experiencing this. So we confront it. And then what's crazy here, Jethro, is we go into how people gather allies. Like how do they align with with right-minded people? How do they strengthen their core so that they can fight, right? If you're a soldier on a field, you're alone. You're going to get shot. You're done. But if you have an army behind you, You've got a chance, right? You've got, you've got a chance yeah. of survival. So we write about that. And then um, we talk about how quitting is okay and retreating and getting the hell out of a situation. It's, it's okay. It's not quitting. It's, it's you got to move on to protect your health and livelihood. And then we start to get in and, you know, maybe we want to talk about this separately, but we get into actual just different forms of mindfulness and tactics for strengthening our mind and spirit where we're going to be okay and we're going to prevail in the dunk tank and no one's going to drown us. And that's how we finish our book. And we feel it's so important to finish the book that way because we don't want to be a, a dark cloud in education when we write about this. We want to help people. So, you know, the, the book is it, – it's like – even writing it, it's this up and down emotional roller coaster where we end with, you know what? Hey, 
here's what you can do to survive and have your water wings on so you're strong and you can get through all this garbage and baloney that goes on. And call it, you know, call it what it is. It's an elephant. And you're either gonna you're either gonna address it or you're gonna ignore it. Yeah. So I I want to talk a little bit about one aspect of that because I think you said something really important there that you're either gonna address it or you're gonna ignore it. And part of that addressing it feels like, and you didn't say this, but I'm in I'm inferring it. And so correct me if I'm wrong, because I I'm pretty sure you're gonna say I am, but addressing it sometimes feels like you're trying to play some sort of political game and that I personally do not like doing that. And I want to believe that everyone is good and that I don't have to scratch somebody's back to have something done and things should be done because they're the right thing to do. And that could be me being naive and I'm okay with that, but that's how I want to see the world. I choose to see that way. And, you know, I, I had a, a school district that I worked in where it seemed like it was very much about who was hanging out with the superintendent or the assistant superintendent the most. And whoever that person was, they seemed to get everything that they wanted. And I just did not like playing that game and felt like, you know, I needed to be in my school running the school and not going and, you know, just shaking hands and making sure I got FaceTime in with the, the leadership so that, you know, they should be able to trust me because they hired me and see my good work day in and day out. What what's your your perspective on the politicking and, you know, that kind of thing that happens in education? Well, it's interesting because in the book we do kind of just say, you know, there's some things we just are gonna have to suck up. Like there's some things that we're just not gonna be able to control and regardless, we're gonna do the right thing. Even if people are, you know, hanging out with a superintendent and they're getting their initiatives passed through or the school board's hiring who they want because it's their neighbor's cousin's friend, those things are going to happen and those things are out of our control. But when there are things that we can influence and things that happen to us that just make us feel yucky, even even the, you know, the people that are hanging out with the superintendent, um, and making you feel that way, or even, you know, the friend of mine that took advantage of me. We talk in the book about a method as one of the ideological practices of really using our voice to master confrontation. And there's a specific strategy in there, and it's based off of the book, Nonviolent Communication. And so we, we use some examples there. So, for example, my, my friend that really took advantage of me and then basically dropped me like it's hot, stomped all over me and walked away glorious, I could have called it out and I should have called it out early on. So I should have said, hey, you know, I really set you up for success. I put my name on the line to get you over here. I believed you. We worked, you know, really well together. I saw you grow and master these things. And I really expected that you were going to have integrity and a strong moral compass. And you know what? It just makes me feel terrible about myself and embarrassed that I brought you over to see you act so childish and take advantage and not have a strong work ethic. So, you know, what I'd really like is, could you step it up or could we have better communication or, you know, and just walk through that, that process with that person. So, that it, you know, it's not confrontational necessarily, but it's very validating and at least voicing how I felt. And I think if I had to address some of those things early on like that, I think it would have minimized, you know, the way things um, unfolded for me. 
Yeah. What do you, what do you have to add to that, Rick? Yeah. I just want to share with you a very quick story that I seem to be sharing an awful lot, but it moves me so much. Like it, it just, it blows my mind. So listen to this one. So there is an assistant principal in the Northeast of the United States and she was getting just blitzed, right? Her principal came down on her. Her superintendent came down on her. She didn't do anything wrong, right? She didn't do anything. She was, she was working her tail off. And you know what she did? She marched into her principal's office with our book. And, and this isn't an effort to sell more books. This is just to <laughs> but illustrate. It might help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny, though. She, right? So she goes into her principal's office with our book. Rebecca, you know this story well. I do. <laughs> she hands her principal our book. And you know what she said? She said, this is how you're making me feel. You are making me feel irrelevant here. And I, I want you to look at this so that we can work together to help our students. And she walked out of the office. Wow. And left the book there. So this dude picks up the book. He may or may not have read it, but he certainly flipped through it because later that month, he went up to his assistant principal and he said, you know what? I've been a jerk to you. I've been a real jerk to you. And he said, let's, let's try to figure this out. And they started to work together, right? So it's right, Jethro, it's all about you either address it or you ignore it, but if you don't address it and something happens, you better not have any regrets because you are in control of if you're going to move forward with calling people on the carpet in a professional way, right? Granted, polite, professional way. I'm not saying you're going to go in there and go crazy, but can you address it and help everyone, not just yourself, but help every, help, help the entire organization, or are you going to let things go and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And you know where I'm headed. And it leads to a just a total toxic environment. Yeah, it totally does. And it's so easy to to let it go and let it go. And in, in the first situation, mine was really uh, – that I shared, mine was really about not recognizing it and and not seeing it. And, and then it was too late to say – anything at the end because too much time had passed and it had already gone down too far. So the importance of saying something really is vital and you can't overstate how important that is, but it's still scary, right? <laughs> and oh, it is. It, it, it's great. It frightens the hell out of people. Yeah. And, and for good reason, because you don't know what's going to happen. Now that example that you shared of, of that woman, having a good positive outcome, that is fantastic, but it doesn't always work that way. And sometimes people take that confrontation as you, as you being weak and afraid, and then they turn up the heat even more. So what are some suggestions? And Rebecca, you started to hint at them of, of controlling your, your voice. What are some suggestions for how to have that conversation so that, it's effective and you're not making things even worse for yourself. And maybe you can't not make things worse for yourself because you obviously can't control that. So how do you make it so that that conversation goes as good as it possibly can? Well, um, we lay out this, the, the four step process for nonviolent communication 
And so I think anytime that you can script something and that you can rehearse the conversation with somebody that is not as affiliated with the organization and almost practice that conversation and be prepared for maybe some curveball reactions, a good reaction, a bad reaction, and how you'll react to that reaction. If, if it's well thought out ahead of time and it's said with care and patience rather than any type of abrasion or negative energy, when it's approached with a positive manner and a well thought out, well scripted, succinct message, that's probably going to be your best, best approach. That's probably your number one best. It won't always turn out the right way doing the right thing, but nine times out of 10, it will soften the situation and open the lines of communication for some effective dialogue. And let's be right. So the other part, Jethro, is let's be real here. You don't want to be doing things one-on-one where you have no witnesses. We know the idea of having a backup ear within an organization And how many times do unions ask for a rep to sit in? How many times do principal organizations ask for a rep to sit in? Well, it's because, you know, they want to make sure they're not getting dunked, right? Right. So that's okay. So long as you're professional, you're nonviolent, like Rebecca said, and you go in and you say, you know what? I appreciate you as my boss. I appreciate you as my supervisor, you know, whatnot. However, here's where we're at. Here's how I feel. And I want you to know that. And that's that's okay. That's an okay thing to do. Let people know how you're feeling because you're not productive if you feel the way that you do. Yeah, that, that piece right there I think is so important. If you are dreading coming to work because yeah. of how you're being treated, how in the world can you give to students and help them be successful? There's just no way because you're well, using all your energy on your own situation. Absolutely. We just put a blog out a couple days ago, new blog, and uh, Beth Hauf from Missouri, great principal, co-author of Lead Like a Pirate. When, when the dunk tank came out, she took a quote from our book and created a poster for it. And it basically says, when adult misbehavior exists, student achievement decreases and suffers. And it's true. Like, People don't under, when people say kids first, kids first, uh, kids first, everything kids first. Well, wait a second. That's good. But don't ignore the adult needs because that affects the kids first. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of the Transformative Leadership Summit that you can check out at transformativeleadershipsummit.com. And uh, Jeff Zuhl, right at the end of his thing, just dropped a bomb, I thought, where he said, where you have teacher bullies, you have more student bullies. And that goes the same all the way up the organization. If the superintendent's a bully, if the assistant, if the HR director, you know, principals, assistant principals, teachers, if there are bullies in the organization, then there's going to be more bullies at school because the kids are repeating the behavior that they're seeing in the adults. Yeah, yeah. And even if yes. we think it's all happening behind closed doors, it's not. It's not. That's powerful. That's a powerful statement. Yes. That's huge because one of the people within our organization pushing boundaries is an author, Jen Frazier, uh, Dr. Frazier. She dedicates her life to talking about how bullying is learned from kids through adults. 
<laughs> and yet we hold kids accountable for bullying and we give them consequences. It's a learned behavior. It's learned through adults. That's a great point you just made, Jethro. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I need to talk to her too because um, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. So I do just want to add one last thing here before we wrap up. I, I know we're getting close on time and I appreciate that. The thing that that I've talked about numerous times on this podcast is the storyline card that I use with my staff. And when I left my previous school, one of my teachers said, without me going to her and asking, she said, when you go to your new school, what you need to take is a storyline card. Because what the storyline card does is everybody has a little storyline about their boss in their minds, right? And they they tell themselves a story and as they go along in life, then it gets bigger and becomes their own thing. And, you know, it takes on its own life. And so what the storyline card does in, in my school is teachers bring that to me and it's where I give them permission to say that I'm not treating them well. And, and I try not to, but sometimes I do things on accident or, or intentionally, but it gets worse than it is. But what that does is they give me the storyline card and I change into a reflective listening person. And no matter what else is going on, that's the approach that I take. And it's a physical card so that I see it, so I can touch it, so they can see it and they can feel it. And that is really important. So they give it to me and then they say, I have a storyline. And it basically gives them permission to say anything that they want to, to me. And I'm not allowed to get mad or offended or bothered. And it's about them speaking what they are are seeing in their own lives. And I've used this at all the schools that I've been a leader at, and it is just amazing because it allows people to get things off their chest. It allows them to confront me specifically about something that I may have done intentionally or not and helps us get past whatever it is that is preventing us from being successful. And so that that's something that I have used many times that is incredibly powerful. And I'll make sure you guys have a, a copy of it also so that you can check it out. And there'll be a link in the show notes for those who are listening to go get that also. It is just incredible. And the stories that I have that I could share where people's lives have changed because of that not because of anything that I did specifically, but because they were able to get that off of their chest and not hold it in anymore. And it just, it destroys you and eats you apart inside when you hold those things in. So that is, that's something that I do that I think lines up with this good. And I use that on my bosses as well. And I say, you don't do this, but I do. And here's how this works. And then I give it to them. Now that's that's transformative. That is like completely powerful because You're allowing people to feel the way they feel, whether you intended for them to feel that way or not. That's huge. Well, it's, it's amazing. And I, I just love it because it it makes such a difference and definitely something that I think every leader should be able to do. And that, that one that you shared about the assistant principal, given your book to her principal, that people need to be able to do that. And we as leaders need to be open to that so that people can help us change and be better even when we're not intending to be bad. Absolutely. All right. So last question is what can someone do starting this week to be a transformative principal like you guys? Rebecca, let's start with you. And then Rick, you can answer the same question. Sounds good. Wow. You're a hard one to follow because uh, your storyline card, I'm still thinking about. 
Really, I think it just comes down to willing to always do what's right, not to say what's good for kids, but always to be listening. And really, you know, we we talk about Dunk Tank University graduates, but really anybody that has been through that that reflective process, you know, they know how to challenge negative belief systems. They're, They're equipped to, you know, notice when the tides are turning. So just really being emotionally in tune with what is happening on the campus and being being willing to play that storyline card anytime. So I'm like totally stealing your thunder. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I like I can't get over it. It's amazing. <laughs> this this has been great, Jethro. Agreed. I I wish in my career I didn't let certain things go and I called them on the carpet. And it, and it didn't have to be an aggressive, you know, it didn't have to be this, this animosity, right? It didn't have yeah. to be war. It didn't have to be like, like it's, it's not waging war. I just wish that I, I called things for what they were and addressed them calmly instead of thinking that it was war. And, and when you do that, you know, you're you're going to at least be able to sleep at night knowing that you addressed it. And even if the outcome isn't what you want it to be, you know that you tried. And there's a lot of people who don't try and they let it go. And then it compounds and then it gets worse, right? And we, we just want people to push on the elephant, right? So the more people that push on this elephant, it's it's bound to budge. But if we don't, it's just going to sit there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I, I have also really enjoyed this. I I can't believe I didn't know about you guys before. And I'm just uh, loving the idea of providing resources to help people deal with these things that happen that nobody enjoys. And so thank you both for coming on. How do people connect with you, get in touch with you, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you guys use? How do they learn more from you? Go ahead, Rebecca. Um, we have several different ways. I mean, I have RebeccaCoda.com. Rick has um, RickJetter.com. Our handles are the same on Twitter. So he's at Rick Jetter and I'm at Rebecca Coda. So those are pretty, those will be easy to find. Um, probably our newest adventure is uh, we have come together as forces of transformational leaders and have brought together affiliates with Rick and I, and we're calling it Pushing Boundaries. And so we, we now have just um, released a website, and it's pushboundconsulting.com. And I'm sure we can link it up to um, your site with this information. And yes. some of those affiliates that we talked about, like Jen Frazier and her neuroscience on bullying is there. So there's some really outstanding individuals beyond us and we like to surround ourselves with smarter people than us, and that's what we've done. Um, and so we're really excited about that. So there's there's resources that are far beyond even recognized capacity as leaders. Great. That is wonderful. We'll make sure we get all those links here in the show notes, and uh, I'll make sure I put a link to the communication cards as well, which include more than just the storyline card. So uh, Rick and Rebecca, thank you so much for being part of the Transformative Principle podcast. I appreciate it. It's been a blast. Thank you, Jethro. Dude, just a huge honor. Really, really awesome to, t- to talk with you, Jethro. 
Wasn't that great? Man, I really liked those two. That was a great conversation, and I learned a ton from that, and I know you probably did too. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and please share this with someone who is might be struggling with some of those things in your school or district. Pardon my daughter's coughing. Kate, do you want to say hi? I'm just recording on my podcast. Do you want to say something? is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.